On Education's ISTE coverage is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Mike, we're giving away a one-year subscription to Teacher Gaming. So Teacher Gaming has like 30 games, tons of games. Uh, one year is probably just enough time to play all of them, hopefully. Yes. That, I mean, this is just ridiculous. To enter, all you simply need to do is tweet a pick of your favorite game of all time. It could be a board game, a video game, whatever it is. Catan. Yeah, Catan. To at Teacher Gaming and tag on Education Pod, tag us, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Even if you aren't the winner, though, this giveaway, you can still get a 30-day free trial, and all you need to do is go to TeacherGaming.com. You'd still be a winner to us. Yes, you are still a winner. I am Michael. I'm also Mike. <laughs> and people call me other names, too. <laughs> Welcome to Uneducation's Wednesday edition of our ISTE special coverage. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an amazing pod for you today. We're going to recap Tuesday, or this, yeah, Tuesday at ISTE, <laughs> including visits with LEGO Education, Robots for STEM, and an awesome company you've never even heard of called Project Pals. We also have two great interviews today from ISTE representatives Jennifer Reagan Four and Mindy Frisbee. I heard the World Cup's still happening. It is still happening. I think this is the it's the last day of the group stages, I think. But I'm not sure because we were not able to watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even looked at a TV. I mean, I don't know. Don't no. know. We haven't even seen the light of day, actually, most of the times. We leave here and it's already nighttime. Right. Soccer is allegedly being played. Yes. Uh, so football, we're, even. We're going to be excited when the tournament actually starts happening, which is soon. The, you mean like <laughs> the elimination or whatever? Yes, yes. Exactly. Cool. And Mexico's in that. Yes, they are. And Iceland is not. Iceland is not. England? <laughs> is England? England is, yes. Okay. Yep, so I've already qualified. I'll yes. cheer for Mexico and um, England, jolly old England. Awesome. Do it. Uh, we've, I mean, this, it's been rad. This has been so much fun. Um, it, I think that one of the things that I've enjoyed is that there's a lot of people that I'm meeting for the first time. Glenn, Glenn you know a lot of these people, and you've met a lot of these people. You've done a lot of the conference circuits and stuff. It's a lot easier to do that sort of stuff when you're in the United States. Um, but I'm meeting, like... Steve Isaacs in person for the first time and uh, the the class crap guys and yes. like all of this stuff for the first time Matt uh, Farber Matt, Matt Farber today yes. yep. friend of the pod Matt Farber mm-hmm. um, you know we run into Steve Isaacs every like couple two, hours because right. he's everywhere because <laughs> he's everywhere yes so he's- it's this is fun this is so much fun seeing people and you know you stop and you chat and then you, you're like okay we're on to the next thing uh, but no it's been right this has been a lot of fun it's also cool when I get to see um, some of my Minnesota people. Like today, I saw oh, yeah. se- several different people that uh, are here for a variety of different things, whether they're presenting, which several of them are, or they're just here for the conference itself. And then you see them in the halls, and you got to give them big hugs. I had a. So, it's yeah, funny. Great. I had a Twitter chat, a uh, DM with. Uh, there's a there's a guy who was here on Sunday and Monday who teaches at a private school literally just down the road from mine. Nice. And we've talked to each other on Twitter quite a bit. Yeah. But we've never met, and we were both here, and we still didn't. Meet. And he actually sent me a message: Canadians have a really hard time meeting up at these things. <laughs> and, 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 and he proved it because we didn't end up seeing each other, which is hysterical. That's so many people though, too. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, even trying to find people is crazy. Uh, it was. This yeah. has been awesome, uh, and I mean, there are people coming up to us and saying, "Guys, you're you're the on education." It's stupid. I don't even get it anymore. I don't. 
it's, it's it's people are recognizing the podcast or they're asking us if we're actually the people that are running the podcast and then we go yes we are <laughs> <laughs> so it's been awesome yes. we've, we've seen a bunch of those things at the at the schoology party we went to last night there was a lot of those uh but even today this morning at this this one thing we went to the the, the owner of the company came up to us and said, guys, we, I listen to your podcast. It's great. And it's been really, really like affirming, I guess is a, a good word to say. It's been, we're working really hard and this is a pretty good lesson in hard work paying off, I suppose. We're humbled by all of you guys. You guys yeah. are amazing. Keep spreading the word on this. Share it with your friends. Which, and keep telling us what, what type of content you want to go ahead and hear from us. 100%. 100%. There's a feedback form. If you go to on educationpodcast.com and go right down to the bottom of the page there's a feedback form you can ask us questions you can chat with us you can just frankly send, send us messages send us messages whatever you want uh, and, and we'll take a look at it I, I, I open it up kind of once a week and, and see if there's anything there uh, and there, there there is sometimes and we and we just uh, take a look at it and see what we can do exactly when we come back we will recap some of the things that uh, we saw uh, yesterday and a little bit today on Education is brought to you by Audible. Mike, what have you been reading lately? And I suppose you're you're kind of like me, where you have quite a few books that you have on your list. I have too many books on my list. I have <laughs> probably about 40 audiobooks on my queue. And um, between listening to podcasts and audiobooks, uh, I am well stocked. Um, lots of cool books are on Audible. Hundreds and thousands of titles. And you can get your own audiobook download for free uh, if you go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation. And you can get a free audiobook download. You should go do that, like, right now. Okay, welcome back to the pod. Um, We uh, toured the floor a little bit yesterday going to tour the floor again today i sat down not sat down actually walked around with the folks from lego uh and we talked uh, about all of their things um we talked about ev3 and some of their new programming interfaces um they're doing some cool stuff with scratch now programming the big robots Uh, but one of the things that really struck me uh is this new these some of these new Duplo blocks, which Duplo is for little kids. If you don't know what Duplo is, if you don't have kids, you may not know what Duplo is. Uh, but Duplo is like the young student blocks, right? Yeah. The young kid blocks. Um, any parent would know what Duplo is, I would suspect. Yeah. Uh, but they have faces on them, and the faces were like all different facial: sad, happy, angry, nervous, shy, whatever. And they were all on, written like etched, painted, whatever on the blocks. And they were talking about how they want to encourage teachers to build people with them and then allow students, young young kids in the classroom in particular who have trouble expressing their emotions, um, share their emotions using these books. This is the way I feel now. And this is the way um, I would like to feel or this is the way um, that I felt before, but this is the way I feel now. Um, because kids, not every student, not every child has an easy time doing that, saying how they feel about things. Uh, and, and it's, it's a problem. And, and it's actually interesting because it's being addressed in a couple of different ways. We saw, um, today, this morning, 
a robot. Yes. Um, a big robot. I mean, this was a huge robot. I couldn't believe, first off, how big it was. It was... It was big. What? It's about almost two and a half feet tall. Yeah, like, it was... Two, yeah, two was, feet tall, for it was, sure. It was a big robot. This robot had the most detailed facial expressions I've ever seen. They, they, had, they would have had motors, like, in and around the mouth. Multiple motors. Multiple yep. motors in and around the mouth that... Um, would have moved and and it was incredibly expressive i'm gonna post after when this podcast comes out i'm gonna i'm gonna post the we took a video of it because yes. we couldn't we couldn't believe it i'm gonna put the video on 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 um on twitter uh for you to take a look at if you just kind of scroll through the feed you'll find the video at some point um but it was amazing and it was doing the same thing they were trying to do the same thing they were trying to allow children who can't express themselves verbally but may have the ability they framed it by talking about autism Mm -hmm. which is fine um but there are kids that don't even don't have autism that don't have a uh, don't have the ability really to express themselves but can frankly program a robot or click on blocks that that show a robot's expression so they can use that tool to express themselves it was super rad it was a super cool uh very amazing tool and then it had different components of it where it had an augmented reality component to it oh yeah it, it had a right uh, at the an, end, app, an app that you could go ahead and modify a, a specific robot that you build uh, or the students would actually create and build and, and basically create their own avatar that's kind of what it reminded me of the the robot was so so detailed it was actually really creepy i thought <laughs> i thought it was a little bit creepy though he was explaining how you know uh, they've been, it's been very very well received as far as with uh, students but the reason why i say it was creepy is just that they're so lifelike oh it was incredibly uh, yes, detailed yes so yeah we're not sure exactly what that specific robot cost or anything but man it's something to look into yeah um i had a really weird not weird. Weird's a bad word for this. I had an interesting meeting with a company that everyone knows about, Bretford. They make, they literally make things about related to powering devices. Okay. Literally power. That's all they do. And it. So you guys were talking about power. But well, <laughs> power yes. Cords. But but hear me out because this is. <laughs> it was a super interesting conversation that I did not think would go the way it went. Um, and, but but it did, and, and it made me think about so many things. And I think one of the things I thought about when I was talking to them, they're coming out with these mats that lie on the floor, and they're, they have magnetic, they're magnetic, and and they're long and narrow, and they so they can reach. So you plug it in, and then it's long and narrow, and then you can attach mod- power modules to it magnetically that then have a cord that runs up it, and then you can power devices. And it made me think about my own classroom and how my, my, my tables for the computers are long rows. They're bolted down to the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's not conducive to collaboration at all. Yep. But computer science in particular is, is and can be highly collaborative. It can be, a, it can be a, 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 a class, a, a course that... Um, really has students talking to each other and working with each other and power is like the dark horse problem with having a collaborative computer science environment 
I want a room that's module. I want a room that's mobile. I would love chairs and desks on casters with whiteboards and, and places for kids to like pull a bunch of tables over to a side and say, we're going to work here today. Um, but they don't have, listen, not everything is Wi-Fi and not everything is, is easily powered and, and controlled. And so these, these power mats kind of solve that problem. Like you can, you can then have like these circular tables with maybe even iMacs on them and you can literally roll the table somewhere else, plug in one of these mats, run it over to where your table is and start powering the iMacs and you, and you're up. And then the next day, roll it somewhere else if you wanted to, or the next class, if they're doing a different group. I, I teach different grades. So I was really thinking, I, I really started thinking about collaborative spaces after this. And I'm really into collaborative spaces. Um, so, you know, power. Yes. I, I mean, a lot of the new schools are being designed like yeah. that. It's basically, we're very open. It's a blank slate, as far as the rooms usually, with a lot of mobile pieces um, and it's just, just a different way of looking at it uh, than what we've done in the past. Um, so yeah, no, Bretford, that's who it was. I wouldn't have thought that I would have went down a rabbit hole about collaborative spaces related to talking to Bretford about power cords, but that's exactly what I did, and, and I'm, I'm better for it, and I'm super happy because it really got me my, my mind going about it. Um, you uh, were told, well, we went and saw this other company called Project Pals, and, and you want to talk about that a little yeah. bit? Yeah, well, really, it just uh, it was the most compelling conversation I've had so far here with any of the uh, ed tech companies, and it's called Project Pals, and it reminds me of, if you've ever heard of this site, it's called Trello, and a lot of people, and maybe not in the teaching industry, but for sure in the business industry, use Trello basically to collaborate with their coworkers on a variety of different projects. So if you think of basically there's all of these different types of tasks that need to be done by multiple people, uh, all at different types of time periods, and how do you basically facilitate all of that digitally, and that's what Trello is. Now, so this reminded me basically of Trello built for the classroom, with, yeah. but it just had so many good things, like yeah. uh, layers upon layers of awesome stuff. So uh, really, if, if you do project-based learning, you know that it's incredibly difficult to manage it as a teacher, especially, yeah. especially Mike have, and I have talked about this, if you have your students working in groups. Group work is incredibly difficult to manage on the teacher side to make sure and ensure, to ensure that there is a contribution coming from all of yeah, the group work, members. Work you know, equity, it's yeah. very difficult to, to make sure that that actually does happen. But if you use this tool, again, Project Pals uh, online, um, it, it is ridiculous how much data it's collecting about what students are contributing, when they're contributing it. So, you know, it's a one-month-long project, and then suddenly student uh, C is, does, only, does things all at the last second. You can see that on, on the data that it's collecting. Super incredible, easy to go ahead and, and use. And basically, they say on their website that the, the platform allows students to create project assets, import media, visualize relationships in this kind of collaborative workspace. And then teachers get this oversight where they can organize, monitor, and assess all of these multiple projects going on simultaneously and be able to align it to Common Core and then, of course, share the student work to 
their other peers or to the parents. It, there were so many little parts of it that we for sure are going to have them back. Uh, we're yes. going to call them and make sure that they talk to us, give us an explanation, maybe even do we, we'll do a blog post about it um, so that you can visually see the components of it. But to learn more about that, it's projectpals.com. Um, I I was blown away by that quick conversation. I mean, it was like ten minute conversation that we had yeah. with them, and I walked away going, "Yes, this is what I told them." I was like, "This is the best product I've seen so far." It was definitely the most like um, finished product in terms of like the polish. I guess polish is yes. the word I'm thinking of. It's ready to go. It's ready to go. Um, you know, I I teach a year long project, and yes. we were both thinking about my project when we were thinking about the, like like. You could do everything related to my my project, my game design project, in this platform. Yes, and it would it would. I'm actually going to try it, um, or at least try to build it in it and see how it it's all visualized. Uh, because man, oh man, it it hits all the sweet spots of the things that you would need if you were doing a project. And you could tell it was made by a teacher. The yes. it was a it was a a mother and a son. Yep. And the son was business, and the the mother was, was the it? education yes. stuff. And you could tell it was made by a teacher. You could yes. tell because because teachers, when they're building things like this, and you can tell when, like we talked to the guys from Classcraft, and you can tell that that was also like Sean. Built it, by a teacher. Yeah. Was, is a teacher. And you can tell because it hits on all of the things that a teacher would want. I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And, and it's all in there. And this had all of that stuff too. The, That's ridiculous. The, the, it, like if you're looking for explain everything meets MindMeister meets Trello yes. meets you know, project flow meets accountability and, and even assessment, yes. and, you know, stuff. This, this had everything, it had everything built everything into that. It was it. Yes. damn awesome. Yes. I was, I was super happy about it. So, so we're going to have them on and we're going to talk more about it because it was super interesting. Uh, when we come back, we have, um, we were lucky to talk to two awesome guests, um, from ISTE. We talked to Jennifer Reagan four, who, uh, you know, Big cheese here at uh, ISTE related to the actual conference. Uh, Chief events officer. She, her title is not Big Cheese. <laughs> and, and, and Mindy Frisbee, the director of alignment. So stay tuned. Friends, On Podcast Media is getting set to launch not one, but two new podcasts this summer. And we're excited to tell you about the first one, On Politics. On Politics is hosted by politician, professor, and human rights lawyer, Craig Scott. On Politics will take deep dives into policy and politics. You definitely come away learning something every week. To stay up to date with On Politics, follow the show's Twitter account, at OnPoliticsPod. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We are here uh, with Jennifer Reagan for, uh, from ISTE. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. This sure. Is great. Thanks for having me. So... We heard from Richard on Monday that we were at the State of ISTE uh, thing right next door here, and um, pretty awesome numbers. Like, the numbers are incredible, so you must be really, really happy about the attendance. Yeah, it's amazing. This is, um, we have record-setting numbers in every single category this year, so the response both from the region, from the Midwest, has been amazing, and then just our, our longtime attendees have definitely come out in full force. It's awesome. Um, and submissions. 
also. Record-breaking submissions this year as well, definitely. Ridiculous. Yeah, there's just a lot of interest this year. And I think we haven't been in the Midwest for a while, okay. so I think that's part of it. And then obviously we have a huge population density here in Chicago. Um, and I think for the out-of-town guests, Chicago's a great city and there's a lot of cultural opportunities, sure. people tacking some it's time on. City. It's a beautiful city. So I think there was just a lot of interest this year. Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, vendors and sponsors must be doing well. I don't know if that's, I guess that's probably part of your, your thing too. So. Yeah, I think so. I think that um, we hear more at the end with the debriefs. We're going through the sales meetings, et cetera, right now. Sure. And they get to hear a little bit more feedback. But certainly anytime that we can deliver them an audience like this, that's really a qualified audience, excited to be here, they usually have a really good year. Yeah. So I'm expecting that what we'll hear at the end is, you know, a lot of happiness. Well, the halls <laughs> I'm hoping, yes. I mean, you yes. go down there and it's, it's full and it's, it's yeah. one of the things, I, I've been to a couple ISIs, um, and and one of the things I've noticed with this, like there's a lot of like, Action. Like mm -hmm. it's like, mm -hmm. like there's a lot of activity down yes. there. More uh, maybe like this whole idea of motion creates emotion kind of thing. There's a lot of people doing a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of in booth presentations mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. than I maybe have ever seen. Yeah. Um. Uh. And and just like people are doing things, yeah. which is really exciting to see. Getting their hands on products. Uh, it's, I mean, so. I think one of the things that, I mean, we hope sets us apart from other conferences is that we really encourage with our exhibitors, this is an education floor. They're not there to be selling. I mean, certainly people might get a spark of an idea and a sure. conversation may happen later. When sales but, happen. But the, exactly. But the idea is that they are really providing rich content, that yeah. it's not a separation between sessions and the exhibit floor. They're bringing educators in to talk about it in context, talk about it, how they're using it in their own classrooms. And so I think that, you know, hopefully that sets us apart, that there's education in every square inch and then some within this building. Awesome. A, lot, a lot of teachers um, are there representing different things too. I, I was mm -hmm. at the Lego booth for mm -hmm. example and they had a lot of Lego teachers mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and they literally like took you around the booth and mm -hmm. like showed you the mm -hmm. things and talked about how they used it in their class. It was really cool. Because right? that's the most effective thing, right? Sure. If you hear from another teacher, I actually used this, this was successful, yeah. this is what we learned, this is what worked, what didn't work and, and here's what you can do in your own classroom. That's going to be so much more compelling than any sort of marketing message that you can hear from a company representative. And so the smart vendors really figure out how to use educators in that way to kind of tell their story for them. It's amazing. Awesome. Um, so the, the the question of the day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we, I mean, we got a lot of feedback. Um, we got we, a lot of conversations. We mm -hmm. lots of chat about um, you know Chicago and yeah. um, the ticket prices and mm -hmm. the city and the hotels. They're gorgeous hotels, mm -hmm. but they're not cheap. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, we've spent a lot of money being here, and a lot of everyone else, everyone else has too. Mm -hmm. What feedback have you received about um, ticket prices, housing prices? this venue in general, everything. Yeah, probably all of the above. I mean, yeah. I think people are super excited to be in Chicago. We haven't been here in a while. And so I think alongside of being so excited, it is a little bit of sticker shock. It's more expensive to work in some cities than in other cities. Mm -hmm. um, just the cost of, you know, renting the building, but also the cost of the labor, et cetera. And so on the one hand, it's a really good thing. It means that people are being paid a living wage. The fact that we have unions in some buildings, but that does drive the cost of everything that we're paying for. And so what we try to do is really closely match those costs to the cost that we're passing on to attendees and we try as much as possible to make sure we have the maximum number of exhibitors and sponsors to help defray those costs and that does take a big chunk out of it but like last year going into San Antonio for instance that's one of our least expensive years so we had no price increase for members and, and for attendees um, this year going to Chicago it's a substantial difference between the costs in one year to another and so we definitely got some of that feedback um, we've tried to find ways to you know make things economical include things like for instance one of the things we did this year was um, do a 
away with any of our workshops that cost additional money during the conference and make that all part of the, of the package. I never actually thought of that. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I remember those the, the Sunday stuff. You're yeah. talking about the Sunday stuff. Um, some of the Sunday stuff, and then also during the conference, any of the workshops that we ran in the past, it had an additional yeah, fee. Did. So we did away with those so that everybody okay. gets into that hands-on content. So we tried to, as much as possible, increase the value, yeah. while at the same time understanding that it was going to um, increase the costs. One of the things that I think people were concerned about, and we had a lot of discussion about, is would the costs erode our market for teachers? Like, would it, would it sort of skew it a little bit more towards people who are in positions that had a little bit deeper pockets, potentially? or had more access to funds right. and I'm happy to say that we've stayed completely consistent it's about 40% okay. for teachers even going into you know these last few weeks we were very consistent with what we have from year to year so a big substantial portion of teachers I think one of the things that we are looking at in the future more is how to really the equity piece because beyond yeah. even individual roles how do we make sure and so like next year we're, we're planning on doing um, a scholarship program to help awesome. ensure that as we go into a local region we really are able to help support um, um, some of the teachers that maybe don't have access to those kinds of funds. Yeah, we'd like to, uh, once the, those types of things come out, mm -hmm. to be able to go ahead and, and broadcast. That'd be that, great. Yeah, so that people know, okay, this is where you go access that yeah. information yep. to apply for those scholarships mm -hmm. and to make sure that, you know, anyone, a lot of our districts don't provide any right, funding to right. be able to attend conferences. Um, so that would be uh, amazing to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Great. So we would love to come back and tell you more about that then. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. That's great. Um, a lot of, I, I, I love I love this about this community, about ed tech people in general. The ingenuity mm -hmm. is amazing. <laughs> uh, and there are a lot of educator communities uh, doing like the not a disty yep. stuff. And I mean, that, that hashtag is like crazy. I mean, we're on it. It is. Multiple <laughs> times a day if you ever look. <laughs> And, um, but does, I guess I'm curious, and we're trying to help, everyone is trying to help as best yep. they can. Yep. Because there's obviously 4 million educators in North America. Mm -hmm. They're mm -hmm. not all here. That would be they insane. They couldn't all be here. No. <laughs> so, so um, does, does ISTE itself, though, do anything post-conference to, like, um, to provide some of the stuff that was going on here out? Yeah, I mean, we do some we do some different things. Certainly for our members who aren't able to be here, there's a lot of resources that we offer to ISTE members because we know, you know, in any given year you may have funding or not. And so, like, for instance, the recordings of the videos and yeah. other kinds of resources, we do that. Um, this year, one of the things that we're doing is we're trying to make it really easy for people with, um, with our smart badges. They're going to get an email with their journey that actually shows them all the different sessions they visited and then all the resources associated yeah, in an email that they can then share within their school, oh. share with other educators, because I I think that you know so many times it may be one or two people in a building mm -hmm. and they go to the show and they come back and they're like oh I just want to be able to showcase teach and share out. all of this yes. and teach it out they kind of feel I mean and I'm glad they do feel that responsibility like not everyone can actually be there how can I really be a positive influence within the community of my school or within my own networks totally. and so we're trying to look for more and more ways that we can really say here's this package of resources that you can really really be able to share out within your schools that's love that. yes that's perfect okay so next year Philly yes. been to Philly that was actually Actually, my first sissy was Philly in 15. Great. My wife came with me. It was awesome. She's going to come again because yep. she loved Philadelphia. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so t tell us about Philly. A any details you have that would be that would be sweet. Well, we're just starting. Get we're just getting started planning with Philly. Um, we actually just it doesn't had, stop though, right? It doesn't like, I mean, stop. No, no, we're planning week. ten years out. But we just had this morning um, our kickoff meeting with our program team, um, and they had so many great ideas. And actually, it was really inspiring because talking about how can we make the community better, better than when we got 
got there. So service projects, and they were very um, equity-minded, and they were very much looking both at bringing the student voice to the table, and then also how do we really make an impact positively within the community. So that's something that I'm really excited about for next year. We had a lot of good ideas, and you'll hear more about that as the year goes on. Um, but Philly, we've been in Philly the last few years, like every four years, and yeah. so I think it's it's a nice thing to return to it, both because of the community of educators that we've become very familiar with and work with really closely, and then also just, um, you know, we understand that everyone can't go to ISTE every single year, especially if it's not in their backyard. Um, so to be able to return back to a community that maybe only gets to come when it actually is in their city or within driving distance, it means that we have this network of familiar faces that are excited, they're anticipating us, mm -hmm. as well as new people being able to kind of come in, because even when we're in Philly, we definitely have a substantial group of people who are brand new to us, and they're like, wow, this is amazing, and how do I kind of keep that going all year long? So um, so we're super excited to be back in Philly again. I'm excited for the food. I'm from Pennsylvania originally, so oh, yeah. I love going back and you know getting to have all That's the great. familiar things. We, we, we loved it there. Mm -hmm. The reading terminal and, and mm -hmm. all that stuff mm -hmm. is just a blast. Yep. And, yep. and I'm, a, I'm an American history nut, uh -huh. actually. Yep. And, uh, and so like we went to the, the bell. Uh-huh. All of that stuff. A lot to do in Philly. There's so much. Again, it's like Chicago, so yeah. it's a great thing if people want to come in early or stay a few days later, bring their families. Yeah. It's just there's so many things to do during the day. Um, and it's just there's a lot of history there that I think people who are educators are fascinated by. Yeah. So when we get to be in a city where there's that much rich history, cultural arts, all of those things, it means that we can also do things outside of the building that are really cool. We can do, you know, scavenger hunts with phones, <laughs> and we can do all sorts of things. One goes crazy things. thinking about yeah, the things you exactly. can do. Awesome. All right. That's great. Chief Events Officer Jennifer Reagan for thanks for joining us. That was, sure. that was awesome. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your show. Thanks. thanks. All right, friends, welcome back. We are here with Mindy Frisbee from ISTE. Uh, Mindy is the Director of Alignment, um, which is a big title. So tell, us what, tell us what you do first off, I guess. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, what I do is I actually work in our standards department, in, which is situated in our learning division. So a lot of the work that I do is centered around our ISTE standards um, and working with uh, collaborators, partners, service providers, developers, as well as schools and districts and educators around integration of the ISTE standards. Uh, so a lot of my focus, uh, a lot of my work focuses on um, how the ISTE standards are being represented and in particular within products and solutions, um, how uh, ISTE can work with the marketplace and different developers in uh, representing the standards within their solutions to really support improved teaching and te improved learning. Cool. Awesome. I actually had it, it just came to my mind that um, when you submit a proposal for a session, I really like that, um, so I submitted a, a couple and I'm giving a, a session on Wednesday, um, that it, it forces you to really think about how your session aligns with the standards in like a really substantive way, not, not in a, and, and I'm sure that that matters when you, really when you guys are looking at what's getting submitted, how, how you're aligning this. But I had to like literally sit and think really hard actually about what everything applied to in terms of the standards. Can you talk to that just a little bit, just in terms of like, yeah, how they align to submissions and how that gets, gets processed, I guess, maybe. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, and, and that is very purposeful. And, and yeah. I think part of it is um, just the thought process that it evokes in and of itself. 
um, when really thinking about what content we're presenting, uh, and uh, not to, not we are, but um, uh, the presenters are presenting at the at the conference, wanting to make sure that the the thinking behind it mm-hmm. is always situated within uh, you know a pedagogy and thinking about what is this, how does it impact teaching and learning, and really what the ISTE standards do are describe those uh, key points within the curriculum and the teaching and learning process where technology and digital resources in particular can amplify that teaching and learning process, can amplify the actions and can amplify the learning. Uh, so we really, you know, as, as an ed tech conference, we want to make sure that uh, the content that's being presented um, is really situated within that context and really it has gone through that thought process. And, uh, you know, not everything directly aligns and not everything is, you know, it has to speak to the, net, to the standards in particular, yeah. but it's, it's anchored within a pedagogy and anchored within uh, best practices of teaching and learning with technology. Yeah, thought. I mean, put put thought into what you're doing. And, and like I said, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about what like ones to select and what to, what how it aligned, uh, and it helped me process you know what I was actually doing, which was helpful, to be honest. Um, part of your responsibility is the seal of alignment, uh, and and. Th- Frankly, there are probably some people listening that don't even really know what it is. Um, and so I think it's important, maybe if you could just, we'll, we'll go into it maybe a little bit deeper, but um, big picture, what is the seal of alignment? Yeah, no, I'd love the opportunity to talk about it. So the seal of alignment program is a, a program where uh, developers and solution providers come to us and say, we have a great solution. Uh, we think we support the ISTE standards in our solution, and we want ISTE's verification that we do that. Oh, wow. uh, so we actually conduct a very rigorous review of uh, the products and services that are mm-hmm. submitted to that program. Uh, the review is done by educators and ISTE standards experts themselves, uh, and it's done by a panel. We use uh, instruments uh, and rig- calibration to make sure that our review findings are uh, valid and reliable. And we provide that data to the developer so that they can then have those meaningful conversations with their users about how it supports the learning objectives that the educators want to see in the classroom. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a level of trust that, that this provides, I think, right? Absolutely. Where when people are looking for tools and resources and whatever, uh, university programs, Absolutely. like, then at least they can say, okay, well, these guys have ISTE's backing in some way and that means that this is this is a pretty legit thing for me to do right that's right, and it really is anchored in uh, the fact that we want to support informed decision making. So the mm-hmm. more information you have, you have the better information and the better choices that you can make. And so the more information ISTE can help provide the marketplace, both developers and vendors, as well as educators, students, leaders, whoever's making the decision, the more information we can help put on the table, uh, the more meaningful conversations and informed decisions can be made. That's awesome. Um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking with us. Uh, Super cool information. Uh, Mindy Frisbee, thanks for being on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. On Education is an on podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. 
If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.